0: On this week's episode of the High Impact Man podcast, we're interviewing a guy by the name of Toby Anglin. In the F3 world, he goes by the name of Duracell, and you're going to hear the story of how he got that name. And you're going to hear a story of you know a, a life that went a lot of different directions, some good and some bad, but ultimately um, the the Lord uh, brought brought this man to Him and uh, mixed in a little love story along the way. And it's it's quite a journey. Like you're just really going to enjoy listening to uh, the, the story of Toby Anglin or Duracell's life. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Sit back and have a great listen. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast, high impact men from across the nation, sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement,
1: and hope.
2: Gosh, seek transformational relationships. What you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is.
0: Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs.
3: All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the High Impact Man Podcast. I'm your host, Nevin Gorky. The F3 men know me as D-Fib and the Gloom. That means early morning hours when we usually do our workouts. And I'm joined, as always, by Troy Klinger. Uh, He's known as dial-up to those same guys in the F3 Gloom. And uh, this is November 1st, 2023, that we're recording this. This won't air for a few weeks, but um, listening to the current episode that we have out there... Uh, that recently dropped this week, um, Dalip and I both came to, the, came to the same conclusion that we jinxed the Phillies because <laughs> we absolutely did. Yeah, we yeah. were bragging on them, and Phillies
0: were, Phillies were up to nothing in Game Four, and uh, the series kind of went downhill from that point forward. And, yeah, uh, they're all sitting at home now. Yep, they're sitting at <laughs> home and watching. watching watching the Rangers and uh, the Diamondbacks. Diamond yeah. yeah. Oh well,
3: wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. It was a fun ride while it lasted, but man, what a letdown for the for the Philly fans and Citizens Bank Park for Game Six and Seven. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're just waiting to explode over something.
0: Yeah, I just, I just had a. If they didn't get it done in Game Six, I just had a bad feeling going into Game Seven, and unfortunately, yeah. it it happened. But live,
3: live by the home run, die by the home that's run. That's
0: exactly right. You yeah. got it. But uh, what happened to hitting? What happened to hitting in baseball? Just put it in play. Yeah, I don't know. I was always told the key to baseball is just
3: to hit them where they ain't. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it has passed me by this game. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe I would have been done better now. I used to always swing hard for the fences. I wasn't, well, I wasn't terrible. I was good in Little League. I'll give you yeah. that. I'll, I'll say that.
0: I, I just put it in play and let my wheels get me around the bases. There you go.
3: <laughs> Punching Judy, right? That's right. Get it Got on it. the ground and, and run. That's right. That's what that guy should have guys done for Philly. But anyway, enough about the darn Phillies. Uh, we have our guest today with us coming from the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, just outside Knoxville. Um, this is Toby Anglin. He's uh, known as Duracell uh, to his brothers at F3 Smokies, and uh, he was recommended by Rep Sleepy. Rep has sent us some guys, and uh, and we love it when people recommend guys, because that means that they the people that we have on have made... Uh, an impression on other guys and uh, that uh, that for for the good obviously and he thinks that uh, he thinks that Duracell would be a good guest to bring on and tell his story to motivate and encourage and inspire other guys and and so we got Duracell <clears throat> joining us today. Uh I like to read his bio because um, it's he's written a pretty cool bio here and I'll give you a, just a little taste of what we're in for here. So here we go. He says I was born on a cold winter's day in Tampa, Florida to a pair of skinless polar bears. No, wait, that's my other bio. I guess it really starts like this. At 49, and with no respect, I feel like I've been just about everywhere and done a little bit of everything. I'm a Tampa native, joined the Florida Army National Guard my junior year of high school, became a forward observer. My HQ field artillery company was coming back from a drawn-out weekend known as Operation Desert Storm as I was graduating high school. And they were downsizing and merging units. So I went into the Navy. I would go on to do some interesting jobs there all over the world in places that don't exist. Four years later, I came out of the military and had a hard time adjusting to civilian life. The party scene was just heating up in Tampa, and I was young, jacked, and completely directionless. I partied hard and spiraled into a 10-year battle with substance abuse. My dad called me up to Townsend, Tennessee one summer. He had even come up there to the greater smoky Na- mountain national park every summer as a kid. He knew I needed a change. Many nights reading the Left Behind series on his front porch led me back to Christ. I surrendered it all, fully embraced the change, and went back home to Tampa with a broom in my end, ready to sweep up my life. A lot of other stuff happened, but I ultimately met my wife at a church that I had started in my high school a decade earlier. That's a total God story there, and we're looking forward to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, She'd lost her husband a year before and had two young kids, so there I was, an instant husband, instant dad, and no idea what I was doing. But the Lord was, has really provided for us, and he's woven one heck of a tapestry right before my eyes. Fast forward 16 years to fall 2022, I'm firmly planted in corporate leadership, moved up here uh, to Knoxville, Tennessee, riding a work-from-home desk and in the worst shape of my life. Traveling for work one day, I met a guy in the airport who had a GR2, same ruck as me, same color, and we talked about go-ruck events we'd done, 2017 in Tampa, St. Paddy's Day for me. I was looking to get back into rucking, and he mentioned F3. Funny story, I know a ton of guys across regions and still have not found that guy. Anyway, I more or less EH myself with help from Steam from F3 Knoxville and I accelerate quickly into F3 at my home AO Speedway which is in the Smokies. Unfortunately, years of hard use on my back coupled with this new enthusiasm for F3 uncovered a crushed L4 L5 and I spent most of November December of last year barely able to walk. But I know a good chiropractor and a great I had a good chiropractor and a great group of guys at the Speedway. Actually, they quickly became like brothers to me and I decided to go just go back out in January and just show up and do what I could. I still have the injury, uh, still learning what my new guardrails are, still learning how to crush everything between those guardrails, but I'm still showing up and I guess that counts for something because they asked me to step up as the AOQ of Speedway. I've been in the role for a few months now and I have to say that it's not easy adding something else to your plate. But, you know, it feels natural to me just being there, trying to help these high-impact men realize who and whose they really are. It's like a human wine press sometimes. The B-Towns just squish the juice out of these guys. You let that age a bit, and some new character develops. You see them grow, and they hold you accountable. It works. I'm not where I want to be yet, but my bio's not over yet. I've still got a ton of beer gut to lose. Took me a (laughs) long time to build it. But as the accelerate work, workouts proved to me, I'm not further than I'm a lot further than where I was, and someday, yeah, that's right, someday I'll get there, and that's what F3 has given me—a someday, because this isn't a fad or something you do and drop and switch to P90X or something. Actually, I've stopped thinking about the recovery of beatdowns as some har- terrible act of God thwarted upon me that has just graciously ended. <coughs> Excuse me, and I'm looking at them as beginnings, like I just accomplished that, and so begins a new day, a new me. Who will I choose to be today? I guess we'll find out. Sorry about the coughing, Duracell. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks, appreciate you guys having me.
3: Yeah, you got a lot to live up to in that bio. <clears throat> uh,
2: like, man, did I really sit down and write that? Like, you know,
0: as <laughs> well as well written. That's quite
2: the bio when I mean, you read it. I guess you know. Yeah,
3: yeah I think uh, that could go into an F three Nation um,
0: one of the newsletter. Uh, yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, really cool, man. Inspiring Pretty in and sure of itself. That. Who knows? Maybe someone will reach out to you after they hear this episode.
2: You never know. It's, uh, it's been a busy year <clears throat> with F three. It really has. Um, heck of a ride. Man. It's just been a lot of fun. I, I think it's been so much fun that I'm not reading, listening to that bio. I'm not really sure, kind of who I was before F three. You know, like I'm, I'm looking back. I think I'm just kind of gripping so hard uh, along for the ride. Yeah. Um, then I'm uh, like, you know, I'm kind of trying my best to, to let the old man go, so to speak. Yeah, good for you.
3: Who was that guy?
2: That's
3: right. <clears> the <throat> then-now. Uh, yeah. Pretty cool. Well, you all who listen just can't see him, but he's rocking a cool Smoky Mountain beard right now.
2: Uh, it, it's that time of year, you know, uh-huh. you, you guys here in Pennsylvania, 20-something degrees here, too. Uh, <laughs> you got to keep the face warm. Yes, uh, I was, uh,
3: I was at, in the hospital all night into the, into the sun up, so I missed the beat down. But it was pretty cold this morning, wasn't it? It was it was chilly. Yeah, I was, I was the only one in shorts,
0: and probably shouldn't have been in shorts. It, uh, there was frost on the for the first time. Yeah, I think the, it was like thirty degrees. Yeah, there's there's frost on the uh, on the window whenever I went to leave. I was like, ooh, first of the year. But
3: yeah, man, now's when it gets fun <laughs> for us. See who the men are. That's right. That's right. Welcome to the land of the ice and snow. Yeah. I was, I was
0: going to reference the other thing, uh, you know, and looking at Duracell here is there's some funky orange memorabilia in the back. It's kind of like a, it's a different orange than what you ever see. It's not like a normal orange. Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee Vol orange.
3: Yeah, the Vols here.
1: The Vols yeah Good Vols. Yep.
3: Did they beat – who they played Kentucky or Duke? Did they play Duke this weekend or something like that? They played Kentucky, somebody. Kentucky. Yeah. Did they lose or win?
2: Oh, they won. They beat yeah.
3: Kentucky. That's their big. I know Alabama's a big rival, but Kentucky's always been a really big rival, right?
2: Regional one, you know, yeah. just over the border. Uh, right. I'd say they haven't really been. It's been a pretty lopsided uh, affair, you know, over the last uh, yeah. fifty years or so. But um, yeah, they they brought some uh, some NFL caliber at least in their in their running game. But we decided <laughs> to finally look like a football team, and uh, that was a good weekend. Cool. Yeah,
3: very cool. All right, so uh, you, you mentioned in your bio
2: how you got involved with F
3: three. I think it's that time of the of the podcast where Dial up and I play guess how he got his name.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I was thinking about this today because the past two episodes we didn't play it because we knew we already knew the answers because they were guys we knew, right? right. Yeah. Gandalf and uh well Redcoat that'll be released next week. And prior to that I was on a two,
1: You're two for two. streak.
0: Like yeah, which is like kind of unheard of because we suck at this. Yeah, <laughs> so the pressure's on. And I've thought about this, uh-huh. and I really have no freaking clue. This is a, this is a <laughs> <laughs> this is a total shot in the dark. I'm, I'm going to go with something along the lines of you showed up your, for your first beatdown. Someone was wise enough to tell you that you needed a headlamp and you had on the headlamp and the batteries died
1: ah. early on
0: and so you were left in the dark and you probably had energizer batteries in your headlamp and the guy said you should have used duracell <coughs> and because of that then your name became duracell that was a, that was a long answer that is it?
3: that is but it's hey it's a good shot man yeah. it's creative I, w- I would i didn't get that creative i was thinking some along the lines of energizer bunny you know opposite duracell does he work for a I don't know. You work for Energizer. You work for an energy battery, a battery company, or something. I, I,
0: I hope that's not it because that was the other route that I went. Is that yeah. he that he works for a battery company down in Knoxville? There, yeah. I don't I don't think any of
3: them are
2: located down there, but we'll,
0: we'll we're about to find out. I think so. Tell us, brother.
2: Yeah. How'd you get your name? Uh, one of those things where truth is actually stranger than fiction. But that was a great little short story you came up with there. Um, <laughs> no, actually, uh, coming into the Navy. Uh, uh, as a puke, basically, um, I was uh, in the arresting gear, um, arresting gear technician um, on a very old ship. And uh, you learn basically in your A school everything that you need to know about all the various markings and whatnot, and various apparatus that are used uh, communicate on, on the uh, flight deck. So my very first day on the flight deck, um, they basically tell you run up the ladder go report to this guy. And I, I run up to this guy, put up this little thing, and I said. Hey, you know, I'm here. You know, what do you need me to do? He put me in somewhere. And he said, uh, he's like, oh, he's like, you're hanging with the new guy. Like, oh, man, you know what we need? We need batteries for, for the sound power and telephone. And I said, need for the sound power and telephone. He goes, yeah. I and mean, then he goes, like, if we don't have those, we could lose communication with the LSO and things could <laughs> off course. It would be catastrophic. And I'm like, man. He's like, It's a pretty important mission. I'm going to send you on it. He goes, you're going to have to run all the way to the bow, which is where supply shop was from the fantail, right? Which is where your resting gear is. And he's like, and I need it like yesterday, man. So I need you to like double time it the whole way there. So I'm like, you count on me, sir. I got it. And so I just get below decks. I'm running and it's familiar with, uh, you know, naval ships, but there's a, you know, dog hatches. And so there's knee knockers all the way down the, the gangway and I'm running all the way down the starboard side of the ship, basically hurtling, you know, these knee knockers the whole way down, get to the supply shop, kind of going up to the chief and, and I said,
1: chief, I need, I need batteries for the, he goes,
2: sound-powered telephone? And I was like, yeah, he goes, batteries for the sound-powered telephone. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, hey man, you're a thick one, where are you from? <laughs> So he demonstrated how the sound power telephone works. He uh, doesn't, doesn't require any batteries. Um, and that was the first uh, first lesson on the flight deck.
3: Cool. So, They're messing yeah, with you. You're just, uh,
2: they were. And yeah. so um, I'm fortunate because they didn't tell me, nobody told me that like the embarrassing story is how you get your name. Um, and uh, at least in REO. Um, so I was fortunate that not only did I, you know, a pretty good embarrassing story, and it made everybody laugh. But at the same time, I actually ended up with a pretty cool name. Yeah. These people were like, "Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah,
3: that's a cool name, man." So, yeah. did you say sound-powered telephone?
2: That's right. Yeah, uh, i never heard of that. You guys are, Yeah, it's it's essentially exactly that. <laughs> um, and so when you think of these uh, emergency radios um, that you pick up and you wind them up. Uh, to, to generate an electrical charge, so that you can actually capture, you know, radio waves, and you know, you can hear all the disaster relief information. Right? Same, uh, same concept actually, except it's it's hardwired through the ship, and you just pick it up, and you it spins a little rotary handle, sends an electrical signal up, and you speak whatever you have to say to pretty much anybody on that circuit. Cool, um, and that's how it works. Huh. Yeah, I wow. doubt they're using that anymore because. Pretty ancient, and that ship is at the bottom of the ocean right
1: now. Oh, but yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it sounds like something that is simple that they should just continue to use, right? I mean, how do you how do you mess with that? Right. Right. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's. Uh, uh, cool.
0: But just like that, my streak is it over. Leave it up for the
2: government. <laughs> leave it up. To, leave it up for the government. They can find a way. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's true. Yeah. All things have all Don't good do, things come to an end. Nothing is simple with the
3: government all good things come to an end. Yeah. You can start a new streak next time.
0: I'll have to. <laughs> good story. I, I thought the guy would have told you that like the, uh, the batteries for the sound powered telephone were on the shelf next to the blinker fluid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he
2: turned out to be a pretty good hookup actually, because in the military, it, it's all about the hookup. And if you, if you know your supply guys, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll have yeah. the nice warm, warm jackets and, uh, he was a good guy. Good yeah, deal. Good mentor. Yeah. Worked out
3: good. Well, that is that's pretty cool, man. I and I knew as soon as you started telling the story, I knew he was messing with you. But I I did. I thought you said sound powered telephone. Like, does it mean I, I, solar powered? Because yeah, I, I was like sitting there trying to think too. Like sound powered telephone. What is that? Yeah, I never, never heard, heard of of such a thing.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> all right. Hey, the High Impact Man podcast is not only informational but is educational. Informational and so, educational and, and motivational.
3: Don't forget inspiration. We threw that little tidbit of information in there free of charge, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Go out and get your sound-powered telephones. All right. So, yep. uh, Dursel, tell us uh, what life was like for you growing up, brother.
2: Uh, pretty good. I uh, grew up uh, with a dad who was a Marine. Um had just coming out of the Marines uh, when I was born. Uh, and, you know, it's a normal suburban family. Uh, in, in basically, what is Southern Hillsborough County in Tampa, Florida, um, and uh, just kind of grew up a, a burbs kid for the most part. You know, I, I had that type of life where you you just basically leave the house every morning on a on non-school day
1: mm-hmm. and
2: your mom would expect you home sometime before or shortly after, you know, sundown and, and whatever you did in between was kind of up to you. So we played a lot of army and, you know, dug a lot of holes that we probably shouldn't have dug and right. <laughs> built a lot of tree houses, things, things of that nature. I was kind of always that kid, you know, the playing the dirt kind of kid. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, wrestled in, in high school, um, also in the marketing band simultaneously. Um, wrestling was the only thing I could do, um, and stay in the band actually that, that didn't require me to do it during football season. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just I a pretty normal childhood, um, new kind of from a very young age. I think probably the first time I ever peeked into my dad's closet and saw, you know, a bunch of these Vietnam era, um, you know, uniforms hanging there and started putting those on. Um, that, you know, I was probably going to do something military related uh-huh. I kind of always had that in mind. And so I was, I was that kid in high school that had a very one track mind. Um, I had several opportunities, um, and scholarships to go to school for things like music and other disciplines, uh, and turned them down. I said, no, you know, I just kind of, just kind of want to go in the military, right? And so that's what I did. Uh, very young age, uh, 16, uh, I was approached by a recruiter, and I said, and he was like, hey, you know, get you in the guard. I said, no, I think I'm 16. And he's like, oh, yeah, you gotta be at least 17, right? And so let's wait till your birthday. And, uh, and he and I kind of stayed friends, really just trying to recruit me, you know, um, but got me into the guard my junior year of uh, high school. And back then it was a, a buddy program, and this was um, really, uh, like I said, when Desert Shield and Desert Storm were, were starting to pipe up, nothing else, you know, halfway interesting had happened, uh, then or shortly thereafter either. Um, but, uh, it was just kind of like, hey, get a friend and go into guard and we'll throw rank at you and give you some extra money and give you purpose and, uh, train you on all these cool things. And sure, why not? So I, I did that. Um, and, uh, I had to have waivers and everything signed. You know, by your parents back then, when you're underage, so to speak, and spent my whole senior year wearing BDUs to high school. It was pretty cool. Um, Came out, you know, of high school, went into uh, boot camp in uh, Fort Jackson, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, as a uh, as an E2 actually, Um, and uh, came back. And then came back. Everybody else was going to Iraq at that point or Kuwait, um, and I was going back to Brandon, Florida, and.
3: Wait, hold on, hold on a second. You, you did basic training. Is this after high school you went to boot camp?
2: Actually, in, in between my junior and senior year. Really? Yeah. I didn't uh, know you could summer. do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you still can, actually. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, you definitely can now. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to now to get back in the military. Yeah. All right. Uh, they're, they're hurting pretty bad for recruiting. But, um, yeah, at the time, it was pretty pretty laid back, you know, um, and, uh I mean, army boot camp wasn't laid back by any means for a seventeen-year-old. I learned it was kind of like they had sent me to jail for you sure, know three yeah.
3: months. But well, you know, that's things, that's that's th- that's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, how many high school kids spend their oh. summer year after their junior year of high school going through army basic training? I mean, that's just first, first I've heard of it. That's got to give you some serious perspective yeah. going into your senior year of high school.
2: It is. Um, It is. It. I grew up a little bit real quick um, with that. Um, at the same time, you know, I probably came out and my head was five times its normal size uh, sure. because mm-hmm. I was walking around my senior year with stripes on my arm and mm-hmm. and, and like I like walk walking three hundred thirty dollars a month, you know, from the um, I as a paycheck doing my my one weekend a month and mm-hmm. annual training. Set to do annual training anyway, and uh, I never actually made it to annual training. Um, because, uh, when I was attached to, uh, the 227th Field Artillery Brigade, uh, in Florida, and it was a headquarters, uh, battery, um, and the Florida's Gator guns, it was awesome. Got all the training and everything and was ramping up to AT. And then most of, uh, well, I guess probably about the other half of the company returned, um, from Desert Storm. And it was pretty cool. You know, you're talking to guys and there's like, we didn't do anything. I we we'll do sit in the desert, you know, for a couple of months, and that's pretty much it. Um, and I was, I had already, you know, turned 18 uh, that summer, and I was looking at, okay, you know, I, I want to go pursue this thing full time because all, all, the only thing I was really doing was working at Hooters, believe it or not.
3: <laughs> Hooters, baby, in not Tampa. <laughs> that's where it started, right? Only because Twin Peaks had
2: yeah, not, not
0: been created. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's it's where I was. So I, I've told yeah. this, I
3: think I said this before in the podcast, but when I was a, Freshman year in college, so 1985, spring of 1985, my buddy and I went down, which we is at Clearwater. We went to Hooters. There you go. I think yeah. that's the original Hooters.
2: Yeah, I don't know how original it looks anymore. They probably, it's like a four story, <laughs> now, you know, pretty big Well, story. it made
3: quite an impression on my friend and I, I can tell you that. Because this is before people yeah. even knew what Hooters was. They hadn't even branched out yet. This is like 85, you know. In fact, yeah. in fact, Buffalo Wings hadn't hit the, the country yet. I mean, it was only in Buffalo, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, and uh, I, I'm pretty much an expert, right? Did you see you worked at hers? I did, and what you're thinking is like, man, how did that guy fit in those shorts? Right? Yeah, like, I know. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you might be shocked to know I was actually in the kitchen uh, behind the scenes. So I was, uh, I was making wings and shaking wings, and uh-huh. uh, and, and it's funny because my buddy and I that went in on the buddy system. That's how we got the rank, uh-huh. uh, Bueshaw, He. Uh, he was right there with me. Like he had gotten, I can't remember if I got the job or he got the job, but it was just like, Hey, well, we went to guard and blue camp together, kind of do everything together. Let's just go get a job. At Hooters, right. Sure. And Brilliant. Uh, it was, it was great. Right? Well played. Well played. Um, <laughs> right across the street from our battalion, uh, wow. where our battalion met. Um, and, so wait, so wait, hold on uh, a second. You're right out of you high school.
3: Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're yeah. you got a uniform. You're a man of uniform. You're working at Hooters. He's already
0: done boot camp. He's in good shape.
3: <laughs> I mean, the, the Hooters girls must have been
2: in love with you. Yeah. No. I mean, they, they we probably won't go there That part of the story. <laughs> 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 they, they're not all you think they are. Right? Oh. Uh, they're, they're, very, they're very needy. Let's put it that way. They, well, they do, you, do you have you're a very uh, with
3: inflated the, personality. Well, you're familiar with what is it? The hot crazy scale? Oh. <laughs> Are you familiar with That's that, Duracell? Very true, yeah, Okay,
2: yeah, all right. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you don't know what it is every, Look at. Every bit of it is. Uh, yeah.
1: If yeah, anybody is,
0: any listeners are not familiar with the hot, crazy <laughs> scale and in the inverse relationship, you YouTube it. It's Yeah. It's worth, it's worth the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I uh bored quick, and I'm, I still get bored easily. Uh-huh. in life i find that um but back then at, at 18 it was relentless and i was like i gotta get out of here you know i want to go see the world do all these things and i'm talking to guys who are coming back and they're like brother that was it like what we just got was like a little taste and it's over nothing's gonna happen you know and they're pretty much right gonna be honest right for about the next eight years nothing did happen
1: yeah
2: um until uh, you know 9-11 unfortunately but um at that point, I didn't know that. And I, I just wanted to go see the world. So I went to the army recruiter and he was like, man, I'm sorry. Everybody's getting let out early. I've got nothing.
1: And he's like, I've got no billets
2: at all for active duty. Why don't you go check the air force? And I was like, the hell of will. You go to the air force. You know, I was like, oh, those guys are the weakest of the bunch. My, dad said, My dad's uh, a Marine for goodness sakes. Yeah. And, well, he's like, you're too smart to be a Marine. Please don't do it. And uh, he's like, go check the, please go check the Navy, you know. Um, and I said, okay. So I went to the Navy and, yeah, they really? like, heck yeah, we got to build it for you. So, um, yeah, I went into the Navy and uh, it was gr- I actually lucked out. I was one of the last. They said, if you go to boot camp, we'll throw another trip at you and you'll be in E3. coming out of the boot camp. And I said, okay, where do I have to go to boot camp? And I'm, you're thinking like Great Lakes. It yeah. was Orlando, Florida. I'm like, really? Are you kidding? come like, on. The funny thing is all I wanted to do was get the hell out of Florida, right? So like, <laughs> going to the Navy, I can't even get out of Florida, right? Like, uh. are you kidding me? Um, I was one of the last classes there, actually, um, and one of the first ever in the Navy uh, that was in an integrated class, um, where uh, half the company was male, half was female, and um, that was like their little experiment, so it was weird, you know, going yeah. to boot camp, and Navy boot camp, compared to Army boot camp, by the way, was, yeah. Yeah, it was like a summer no, camp. Did, so did you have to go fun. to Navy boot camp? Yeah, I could have skipped it. Yeah, um, I thought so. And, and just gone, yeah, I could have skipped it and gone straight to an A school. Yeah. Um, but they said, you know, we'll, we'll give you the, the prior service ribbon, and we'll give you the E3
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, going in. And they're like, think about it. All you got to do is spend a year, get that test passed, and you'll be an E4 before you know it.
1: Yeah. It didn't
2: quite work that way. But uh, it was more like two years um, before I could put the colonel on. Um, But, yeah, you know, ended up on a ship, um, the oldest ship in the Navy, the USS America. Fifty-five years old the day that that I set foot on it, Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, went all over the world multiple times. What kind Um, of ship was it? uh, Aircraft carrier. So one of the last conventional aircraft carriers. She would sit and berth um, next to uh, in Norfolk Naval Base. Mm -hmm. So I was attached to uh, Atlantic Fleet in Norfolk, and uh, right next to the Rosie and the Ike, um, and all. You know, we were just kind of like the. Like The butt of the Atlantic fleet, right? Because we were the flagship because we bore the country's name, but uh-huh. we were also the only one that had ever been refitted with the nuclear, uh, you know, uh, propulsion stuff. So, yeah. uh, here we are, you know, basically duct taping and painting everything as much as we can just to keep it together. <laughs> did, did the other kind ships dwarf?
3: Did, were the other ships a lot bigger?
2: Uh, well, no, we were all the same Nimitz class uh, carrier. Okay, um, they just had been like the Rosie and the Ike had been refitted. Now, when you started to see ships like the Lincoln, the Washington, those absolutely dwarf the Nimitz class yeah. you know, carriers. Um, they're pretty phenomenal, and uh, and you know, I mean, even some of the, um, the Royal Navy uh, carriers would come and, and park next to us, and, and they were pretty impressive too. So, mm. um, but know, yeah, it was an old ship, but you kind of you just to love it. You know, I uh, never really uh, lived. Um, off base for the first couple of years, you know, I just lived on the ship. Um, it's free. It's kind of how it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got, you know, I've done three med cruises. Um, you know, Michelle back across the equator multiple times, and I've been blue nosed uh, up in the Arctic Circle. Oh. Um, seen a lot of cool stuff, and I've been to every ocean in the world, actually. So,
3: oh, you made it to the Pacific cool.
2: too, and the Indian Ocean. And a lot yeah. of people can't say that. So, yeah, yeah, we did. We did sit off the coast of Somalia for a while. Uh-huh. Um and uh, that is about the hottest I've ever felt anything on oh, portably. <laughs> wow, yeah, and, not as against man.
0: And and you said that ship is at the bottom of the ocean now. That they they it, just sunk it just to get just to get rid of it.
2: Yeah, Uh in fact, really, it kind of freaked me out. I'm not gonna lie because I saw some pictures of it. It just didn't sit right with me. But um, it's a pretty cool story. They they actually decided they wanted to use it as a demolition's plot in a test bed. And so uh, they essentially, you know, scrapped everything they could, left more or less nothing but the superstructure and the flight deck, of course. And then they go duct tape a bunch of, you know, explosives to it uh, of varying degrees and sizes, uh, put all their equipment around it, and then determine um, from a structural perspective what it takes to sink the kit. And they did this uh more or less right off the coast of Cape Hatteras, uh, which I'm very fond of. We used to surf there while I was in the Navy. We'd drive down to Hatteras, Magazine, and Kitty Hawk and hit up those spots. Uh, and so uh they did it right off the coast of Hatteras. Uh, apparently the, the the Wikipedia, I think it has the article out there, and according to that, they tried to sink it and could Like nothing they, they put on it could sink it, and ultimately they had to bring in EOD to just put holes. In the side of the ship. Wow. Um, uh, you know, to, to get it to the negative buoyancy and have it have it actually sink. And when they did that, um, the final resting place was right about halfway. If you draw a line between Bermuda and Cape Hatteras, it's right about there, halfway in about 5,000 feet of water, which, to my dismay, I'd always wanted to go dive it. Uh, uh, I had this dream I'd go dive in the ship one day, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, Cape Hatteras, we are going to make a reef, right, out of it or something like that, and you'll be able to go dive it a couple hundred feet of water. And that didn't work out that way. But uh, the picture I saw was at the flight deck, which um, I think is at pac Opera in the article, too. And it's just pretty cool. But it, it's like the flight deck, the entire flight deck from a helicopter, this is pre-drone days, right? Um, and it's it's like under 10 feet of water. So you can see the whole ship, you know, still just under about 10 feet of water. And it, I don't know, it yeah. still kind of gives me chills when I think about that. You, just, you never really see your ship underwater. Yeah. You know? yeah. Out, so, is that the only yeah. ship you served on? That was the America the whole time. And how yeah. many How many years were you in?
3: Four. Four? Yep. And what What jobs did you do? What What, what was your job in the Navy?
2: Primarily uh, yeah, the arresting gear technician. There were a lot of jobs that led up to that qualification. Um, even straight out of A school, you don't go straight to the flight deck, um, unless they need you to go to the flight deck just to carry heavy things or, you know, go get batteries for the sound, for a telephone. Mm-hmm. But um, ultimately, in terms of qualifications, you you start out below decks. Um, the resting gear engines are you know, pretty complicated hydraulic piston system. And they start from the very bottom of the chip all the way up. Um, and so you learn every station along the way until mm-hmm. ultimately you're promoted up to the flight deck. You get your hazardous duty pay. You at least get to be in the open air for the most part, which
1: you mm-hmm.
2: on know what part of the world you're in at what time is either a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yep. Uh, quite a few, uh, P A D, you know, positions. I uh, was there and, and picked up some additional qualifications, but don't yeah, think about those too much.
3: Okay. Uh, did you guys see any action while you are serving in those four years?
2: Uh, we did not. It was pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of training. Uh, the only type of, you know, I guess you could say, combat-related, you know, activities we were a part of uh, took place in a part of the world that's in the news today, but. Um, Still, pretty much not allowed to talk about that.
1: Okay. Um,
2: uh, but I can tell you, it's very, very much near uh, the Middle East, and you'd be very familiar with those bodies of water that it took place in. And, and most of those were interdiction type activities. Um, so, not really like you know state-sanctioned yeah. Um, combat. Yeah. So yeah, pretty interesting back then. Very limited, mostly boring. So that means that they had, uh, like,
3: Navy SEALs or somebody on board that would go in and do some stuff.
2: Maybe. Well, we only had some guys. Um, but we learned a lot of things, and yeah. that's what was important. Um, one of my favorite things, honestly, was going through the Suez Canal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we had captains only come on to a carrier for one reason, especially a flagship. Captain comes on. It's because Captain's trying to make it, make out. That's, that's it. Like, that's his last command.
1: Yeah. before he becomes a,
2: a fleet admiral. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and you get, you get some personalities, man. And, uh, this guy came on board and I think he'd been on many been command maybe two months. And, and we go into the Suez, uh, on, on a cruise and we do the transit, transit the Suez. This guy decides, uh, we're going to do a steel beach picnic, uh, which essentially means park all the planes, uh, as closely and as tightly as you can get them up on the, the, the bow. Um, and, uh, Folded wings, everything. it just be, it's phenomenal how, how many planes they can park that close together. Uh-huh. Um, to basically give you roughly two thirds of the rest of the flight deck completely open and free for the most part. And then they take these, uh, crates that the engines, uh, most of the, the aircraft engines are shipped in and they weld them in half, flip them over and they put a grate on one and turn it into a grill. And then the other they fill with ice and little Budweiser's like this big yeah. with the Arabic and, and little peel tabs. Uh, and you have a steel beach picnic. That's it. So we're, we're going through the Suez. Um, and we've got, you know, uh, allies on one side, enemies on the other. And the enemies, the the allies are over there cheering and seeing who could throw the beer the farthest, right? Cause we would just chuck them (laughs) uh, off the ship and try to hit them on the, on the land. And the, the enemies, uh, they wanted beer. They just pointed their, their tanks at us. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. We're, they're, they're probably thinking these Americans suck. So, like, they, they're cooking <laughs> serving or something, but all they're doing is cooking beer and eating barbecue chicken and getting sunburned. Really got me sunburned. Sounds, yeah, it was a good time. All right. Good sounds, time.
0: sounds pretty American to me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Definitely the most American thing I've probably done in <laughs> a long time. But yeah, All right. Yeah. So what happened after that? Got out of the Navy? Yeah. Uh, I got out of the Navy, and um, you know, I'm sitting there. Uh, it, by this, by that point in the Navy, by my last year in the Navy, I um, you know. I just kind of got bored again. <laughs> I think I started to get a little bit disenfranchised um, with some of the stuff, and you know, there's some things that you do in the military that, uh, that are different, right? You're just not really, you don't see them coming when you're a kid, and um, and, and so that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. And I think I was like, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to do, right? The rest of my life, and and the other thing too is the bureaucracy of it all because um, sometimes there are things that you want to do in the military. Um, and there were a couple of jobs that I was really interested in and wanted to go into. And you, you're hearing things from guys who, you know, one minute they're like your mentor. The other minute they're like, well, I got a quota to fill. And so, you know, you're probably not getting off the ship. I got to be honest. You know, if you re you're probably going to be stuck here for at least another two years, right? Halfway through your next enlistment. And then maybe you could go do something different. Um, that didn't sit right with me and I really I was, I was interested in a couple of different jobs and, and then I, I can just kind of see right through the career counselor as he's trying to convince me to sign on the line and, and he's telling me, oh and guarantee man, we'll get you into this job and you might have to wait a little bit and I'm like, mm, you know, what you're really telling me is it's going to be a couple more years and I, I just really wanted to do something different at that point so I said, you know, hey, thanks for that, thanks and, and I took off um, and at that point, over that last year, I had gotten, I guess you could say, lucky enough. Um, I met, met a bunch of locals, you know, out in Virginia Beach, um, started, you know, meeting girls and stuff like that. And uh, at that point, uh, I ran into this kid whose dad uh, was almost always forward deployed. And he's like, but my dad owns this beach house in um, uh Peak Bay. Sweet. He's like, right in the bay. Okay, cool. He's like, Got a bunch of guys, man, just throw me a little bit of money, you know, every month and you pick a room, right? Which one you want. Okay, cool. That's better than living on the ship, right? So I'm living with this guy, uh, and all these other dudes, right? And um, it's just party central, man. I mean, it was just party central and it was not gonna it was fun. And waking up at four thirty in the morning and the Atlantic is your backyard, um, and you just go surf, you know, and I'm showing up that muster on the ship that last year, you know, with sand in my ears and Uh, I almost missed a up there one time um, because we were out, you know, doing things like wheeling and, uh, you know, like little Coyotes on like 44s, you know, out in the backwoods of Virginia doing crazy stuff with, you know, good old boys and um, just kind of living life, man. I think it it was maybe that I had intentionally put myself into um, a situation in the military at a very young age against uh, really very good advice from my dad. He was like, you know, uh, I don't think you should go in yet. I think you should do college first. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, go ahead get that stuff out of your system. Give yourself four years and then maybe come in as an officer and do something different, you know, be an aviator or something like that. But I was just so, I don't know. I was so single-minded, you know, I was like, no, nope, I'm going in right now. And that's what I did. Did good, you know, worked my way up, you know, put some rank on and stuff, uh, made a lot of friends, made a lot of enemies, you know, um, and at the same time I'm sitting there out of the Navy I'm back in this beach house. And one day I'm just, uh, you know, uh, just completely like hungover from the night before. And a buddy looks at me and he's like, no, we need to yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I said, but I, I think, I think I'm just going to go home. Oh, okay. So I take my surfboard and wedge it in between the seats of my Jeep and drive the 900-and-some-odd miles from Virginia Beach to Tampa, Florida. Um, and, you know, I get there, and, and you got, kind of got to think about it. It's like, what type what kind of people are you most likely to run into, you know, four years after high school, you know, roughly? Um, and the people that have, you know, gone on, and now they're on this upward trajectory, um, almost, most everybody who's either coming home out of college or people who are going to go to college uh, or had no aspirations whatsoever, and unfortunately, some of those guys are my friends from high school. And uh, I kind of got back into a scene with those guys. Mm-hmm. At that time, like I said, the, the party scene, more specifically, like the electronic you know, music scene was heating up. Ybor City was like ground central in, in the southeast for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I got pretty heavily involved in, electric, in electronic music, DJing, met a lot of DJs, uh, living with, you know, all, all of this type of, you know, proud and and made a lot of good friends so some of those friends are still my friends today like we still actually talk um but a good number of them didn't make it you know out of their 20s um and so we i got i got into just about every kind of designer drug and and uh you know as you could possibly imagine um and lived that life for a long time
3: was this the uh like the 90s late 90s or something like that
2: it was Yeah. yeah okay yeah, and so, and you're, you're yeah, like wait, no, 20,
3: you're like 22, 23 at this point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, at that point, you know, I'm just like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And, and I came home, you know, and, and, obviously immediately began butting heads with my, with my folks and my mom and dad, um, had split up anyway when I was like 11. Um, and they had both remarried like within a year. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed that they both married really good people. Um, so I've got like four really good parents. Right. Yep. Um, and so it was my mom and my, my stepdad, um, that lived down in Tampa. Um, by this point, by the time I got out of Navy, my dad had actually moved up here to Tennessee. Um, kind of his lifelong dream. Um, like so I've been coming to the Smokies ever since we were kids. Uh, we would talk, this is like, yeah, it's a big it's a big Florida vacation spot. I mean, if you're a Floridian, right? You come up to the Smokies and, and, and likewise, people that live here and probably in Pennsylvania, they, they want to go to Disney World all the time, right? Down in Florida. Um, and so it's pretty typical to come up here a lot like that. Um, but you know, he, he was gone from Tampa. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've had, got really good parents, but, uh, I think maybe on my mom's side, she was incredibly enabling. Uh, and my stepdad was like, you're gonna, you're gonna work, you're gonna have a job, you're gonna do all these things. Go, it's potential. We've got a D214 you can take and go, and probably do whatever you want to. All I want to do is get high. That's yeah. it. Um, and I just kind of downward spiraled. Uh, you know, bad relationships, man. Good friendships, bad relationships, and just a lot of it um, for years and years. Uh-huh. So that's where I was. And uh, after I spiraled down, for quite a few years, um, and ended up ultimately, uh, living with a couple of guys who are still my friends to this day, um, and have cleaned their lives up as well. Uh, but at that point we we're all pretty much rock bottom and just kind of renting a house, um, in Riverview, Florida. I don't really know how, I mean, I was, I, I did, I like to tell people I've had like a hundred jobs because I didn't work. I just didn't stay at any job for more than like a year, sometimes mm-hmm. maybe less than that, you know. Uh, but I immediately became a welder because it's one of the things I learned to do in the Navy. Um, sheet metal mechanic in Florida in summer. It's not something that you do for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's a really uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah, yeah. Um, jumped from that, became a framer, carpenter. Uh, and I've actually been building furniture since I was a kid with my stepdad, um, who's a custom cabinets kind of guy. So I had that knowledge as well. Uh, jump from there, became a plumber's helper, uh, thought, Hey, this is probably what I'll do. And I'll just go be a journeyman, you know, plumber, um, rode that for a little bit, but you know, literally smoked myself out of that job. Um, until they were like, well, you kind of got to show up, right. To, to keep the job, up. you yeah. know, it's pretty important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did a little bit of everything. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, until I just kind of fell flat on my face and here I am with this house that I've managed to rent with these couple other guys and it's a pretty nice place. Um, but I'm like, Hey, you know, I lost another job and <laughs> I know how are going to pay the bills and, and things like that. And that's when my dad was like, Hey, you know what, let's come on up, you know, Tennessee and let's, let's talk. Like, okay. So it had been, you know, a good solid decade since he had sat me down at 17 and Chili's in Tampa, Florida and said, okay, I'm going to sign these papers, you know, like so that you can make the jump and go into the Navy. Uh, he's like, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to advise against this. Like, I think you're, he's like, I don't think you're going to think it, I don't think it's going to be what you think it is. And, uh, I remember he's like, I remember you telling me, shut up dad. I know what I'm doing. He's like, so I let you, I let you do what you wanted to do. Um, and so here I am, kind you know, sucking my tail a little bit, uh, driving up to Tennessee thinking, I
1: got to go face this guy,
2: right? He knows exactly the lifestyle I've been living, you know, for years and years now. Um, and uh, got up there and he was just, you know, just my humble dad. What can you say? And uh, and it was good. We hiked a lot. I mean, a lot. And I, I love the mountains. I've always loved the mountains. And so that, just kind of getting out, getting away, decoupling myself um, from that life think was a kind of a shock to my system yeah and uh gave me gave me the latitude that i needed you know to kind of just stop and think about things um and i had you know i had been baptized and, and, and came to know the lord like at 11 years old right like it's, it's weird it's like right after my parents had divorced um which was another you know thing altogether. Uh, it was a bad time for me, and but I was in that kind of age group at church and had a really good youth pastor, a very aggressive youth pastor, and, and, uh, and you know, he's teaching me some really good tools and things like here's how you should pray and stuff, and it was really good, and, and I ended up, you, you know, coming to know the Lord, going to church pretty regularly, always that kid is probably going to the summer camps and stuff, but I don't think I had any idea or really even any initiative to, like, apply, you know, my faith in my life. At any point really. And mm-hmm. since, once you get in the military, that's like it's it, out the window. I mean yeah. it's a very it's gotta be an infinitesimal percentage of guys in the military that maybe even they might they might say Christian on these dog tags, right? But I, I seriously doubt that you're practicing Christian. Um it's a very small percentage. And um so I I definitely had not would not have called myself, you know, a practicing Christian for a long, long time. And so I got up there and, uh, my dad and my stepmom were good folks, man. And, and, uh, they took me to church a couple of times. And, um, I think one of the, uh, the big things that, that it happened that I'm probably completely skipping over because I just, a part of my life is kind of like a black box, you know? Um, there's a lot of bad, um, and in one of those things was a relationship, um, that, that became a marriage, um, why we got married I no idea I'm at this girl dated for like three years. We were married for like three months. <laughs> oh boy! But once you put a ring on it, I'm like, "Oh, well, I'm going to grow up, and we're going to put partying in the." Uh, yeah. She didn't want that, um, and and the marriage didn't last very long, and, and that was tough. It threw me for a loop, and that's part of what kind of precipitated, I think, the 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 final spiral and me heading up to Tennessee. So I was still shedding a lot of that that grief um, up there and right uh, here, rather and and uh, my dad, you know, he lives so deep into a mountain. Uh, built the house himself. It took him like 15 years to build the house. Um, had Somebody come up and uh, he he'd always said when we were kids like, move up here and buy my
1: house.
2: Right? Like, okay, right? Well, he bought three, actually. Uh, it, it's basically, it's like 15 acres or so. Um, none of it's flat. It's basically like a cove. And so he just cut this little, they blasted actually a, a chunk out of the left side of the cove. Made it flat. He built the house there. Uh, literally lived in the basement after they built the basement, just kept building every level. We've got this beautiful three story house. He just made an absolute killing off of it, by the way, like mm-hmm. selling it six months ago. Um, so I'm just out there, you know, killing, but there's no internet. Even when there was an internet, there's <laughs> no internet, right? Yeah. Um, nothing. He's like, cut down every tree and I can't get any satellite or can't get anything like that to work, <laughs> right? And then, so, what do you do for entertainment? Here? He's like, points to this giant bookshelf, you know. I've read all of those probably 30 times. And I'm like, that explains a lot, know, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think I'm going to pick up one. So it was the left-behind series. Uh-huh. Um, I've always been kind of a voracious reader, um, especially in the Navy. You know, just long bouts of boredom that you deal with. Uh, that's the whole hurry up and wait, you know, mentality. You learn to do something. And again, this is free internet. Um, my days, you know, in the service, and so we read a lot of books. Um, and I got and into the Left Behind series pretty good. I mean, it was, it was obviously it's won all these awards for a reason, right? It's a pretty gripping tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it just rekindled something in me. Uh, and, and I think the Holy Spirit was just talking to me at that time. And like, what are you going to do when you go home? You know, you can't stay here right forever. Yeah. Uh, and that, this wasn't my home yet. So I, I know a lot of that pressure, you know, on me, and um, I don't know, one night it just kind of broke. And I said, you know, I'll just kind of give it all back to you, God. You know, I don't know, I have zero idea where to start. No idea at all what the next step even looks like.
1: Um, but anyway,
2: and that changed a lot. Mm. Um, like I said, I went home with a broom in my hand. The truth is, I cried all the way. I just literally, I don't know, I think I just literally shed like years, you know, of regret, regret, and grief shame, you know, uh, for a long time. And, uh, I got home and, uh, it was just a foreign place to me. It's weird. You know, I walked into this place. I've been living with these guys who were my best friends, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, true, true to form, you could tell real quick who your real friends are when you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do any, you know? Um, and one day I'm sitting there with, with one of them and, and, uh, so, so a good friend to this day. And he says, well, what do you want to do today? Like, I don't know. What, what are you thinking? He's like, Austin, well, can we just go, you know, find something to smoke or something like that? And I'm like, hmm. dude, do you like, we know how to get, you know, do we know how to have fun anymore without being like wasted or something like that? And he's like, well, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and I was like, look, well, brother, I'm good. Right. And I'm walking away. And it is. And uh, he, he still stood beside me. He's like, okay, well, I obviously still need a place to live. And the other guys that lived, lived with us were like, what do you mean you're not you know, going to live that lifestyle
1: anymore?
2: Yeah, God, God has a way, right, and then suddenly they just decide they're not going to live there anymore, and they move out. And so those people were removed from my life. And I said, you know, I need to I need to go find a church. And so that, where I happened to live um, was there's this local church called The Crossing in Tampa. And I was like, it's like a church in a warehouse, right? It's kind of weird, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it did not look like a warehouse anymore, but you can tell that it used to be different, unconventional, and I'm an unconventional kind of guy, so let me go check this out, right? And I get in there, um, and I would later find out that the way the church had come to be, it actually started in my high school, when I was a junior in high school, in our auditorium, and I remember I attended back then because i was like hey i, I go to church you know i'm a church boy right in high school um and i remember the pastor and the pastor's son um would later actually die on his way to croatia uh to be a missionary um it was just a sad story and i remember hearing about that when i was in the navy um but the path i knew his son pretty well and um the pastor was just a one of those guys Just very gripping uh really good personality and uh uh, so I, I'm at, I'm at this church, and I'm like, where the heck do I plug in? And this, and the the, the new pastor now, you know, all these years later, and the, the church has gone through all these different manifestations through other local churches to plant <sighs> something there. That's become the Crossing, um, and it's pretty cool. And, and this this pastor, this, this new pastor, just a great guy, uh, Greg Dumas. He's still the pastor there today, uh, and he's. Real thing about service, he's like, you know, you, you can't come here and just drink on Sundays and get filled up and then go out and let all that leak out of you throughout the week and then come back and get refilled every Sunday. You should start serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was kind of the emphasis, like, get out there and serve. They can work and I serve. Like, I'm a, at this point, I'm like 30-something. I was like 30, right? And uh, I meet another guy my age who happens to be uh, kind of like the 30-something pastor, and he's like, "Well, what do you know how to do?" And I'm like, "A little bit of everything." Right? Uh, he's like, "Well, can you run lights and sound?" Like, I know a soundboard, like in and out. I've been DJ you know in the local scene yeah. for, for many years. And so, you know, a soundboard with like that that age groups, like the college, you know, kind of age group, uh, their ministry, which is in a separate building, um, and did really good. And at that time, I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to you know make friends with all these people really kind of God's replenishing my friend's group, right? Yeah. Uh, cause I hadn't, I hadn't had any more friends at that point and the girlfriend that I'd had, you know, left town long before that. Um, when she found out I was, you know, going to be the Jesus boy, I guess, is I think what she called me, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> and so, uh, Jesus boy's making some new friends and, and, uh, uh, there are a lot of really good people. And at the same time, uh, the church is branching out into something that I think was new for them. Um, it was their first foray into small groups and I, I was like what's a small group right and so uh i i want to be in the small group that they're all in like the 30 something but they've already kind of formed and have this one going and it, it was very much just like a an process jump online do a form you know fill out an online form and we'll of place you by where you live and kind of maybe what your age group is yeah and uh with a bunch of like 60-year-olds. It's funny because I'm almost 50 now. <laughs> it seems <laughs> so weird to me, right? You are an old like, guy now.
1: Yeah.
2: like the 30-ish guy in this group of 60-year-olds, right? And so all it really is at that point is like their kids who are, you know, yeah. their older kids who are maybe like five years younger than me. Like, looking at me like, their are like, what's, what's that guy? Who's that guy? Like, oh, he's got a small guy. like, he is? Like, that's weird. He's my age, right? <laughs> Um, they're all, like the, It was like a spectator sport, and I was a spectacle, right? They're just <laughs> kind of
1: like, tell us
2: stories, you know, or tell us something cool. And I'm like, oh, okay, some more. On so, um, one of the girls that I'm serving with uh, is, is kind of one of the youth pastors at the church, and she's like, and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I tell her, and she's like, you should to be a mom. And I'm thinking, man, this girl's cute, right? I'm like, uh-huh. I really want to be in your small group, you know? <laughs> and so I make my way to her small group. we we'll later find out that she's actually, like, already engaged in just a huge flirt, right? Uh, and, dang it, and, proper, uh, dude. I thought I saw a love story. In coming. that small group, though, we, uh, we get into that small group, and just nobody knew anybody. Um, the, the only people that knew any, anybody was her and her fiancé, turns out, the other youth pastor, right? Um and everybody else was completely brand new. And that first night we went to like four thirty. It's like all of us going around. I'm thinking to myself I remember thinking to myself something on the way home akin like to like, man, God has like really flipped the narrative. Like you know we come kind out of would be up at four thirty with a bunch of other people, there's a lot of drugs involved, right? Yeah. Not here. I mean, we're literally dipping strawberries and chocolate, man, and like drinking coffee and you know, talking about God and how Big God is and, and, and the awesome things that he's going to do in our lives, right? And it's, it's a pretty good mix of like, I'd say early 20 somethings, like 23, 24 ish to like, you know, mid thirties. So like it was kind of like the group and there's about eight or nine of us. Um, and we all just hit it off like instant, you know, friends. Uh, and, uh, it went really well and we kind of got into this habit of, you know, uh, somebody in a small group of planning events. event you know, every other weekend or something like that. We'd all go out together and have fun. And it, it would be like, hey, let's go eat or let's go to the movies and do things like that. It's a small group, uh, especially a younger small group. And um, there was this one girl in the small group, Alex. Um, she would always come, never say anything, and she would always, and, and I think at least on one or two occasions, she brought her little kids with her, right? And one's like a baby girl, uh, like a toddler, and the other little boy is like five-ish. And they're both, Incredible. I'm like, looking back, I'm like, how are these kids like so quiet? Like, they never say anything. They just sat there and played the Game Boy or whatever. And, and, uh, um, he could never do anything. Like, we would always go out. can't, you know, have a babysitter and stuff like that. And so at this point, uh, God has also worked some, some amazing things in my life. And, um, uh, and I'm working for JP Morgan at the time, uh, doing tech support, working my way up. Uh, the developer and through their development pools and I'm on the second shift um, doing tech support for a specific product and it's just me and one other guy. Um, and he, our cubicles are kind of like this where you just kind of sit there and talk and stuff. And, and so, it's my turn to plan the thing. And I'm like, oh, we're go to go the movies, right? But one by one, everybody starts calling me. Bro, I got something, I can't go. Uh, can't uh, do it tonight. I see what's uh, happening. I knew there was a love story That's in here somewhere.
1: Weird.
2: I'm like, this is weird, right? And, I'm like, all right, well, so then Alex calls. And, hey, why are we going to the movies and stuff? And, and where are we meeting? And I said, oh, you know, it's weird. Like, I was just going to call you because we're not going to do it. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like you know, failed. And she's like, mom is up from Miami. It's like the one night that I got a babysitter. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, so what do you want to do? And I got the speaker and Rocky, my buddy over here, he's looking at me and he's like, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, a light bulb went off, and I'm like, oh, well, do you still want to go? And, I'm like, yeah, let's go, right? So, me and my infinite wisdom, right? <laughs> uh, and, and just complete and total, you know, slob character, I'm like, I'm going to take this girl to see an awesome movie where it's going to be a gripping, you know, cinematic production. I'm i it, actually. Um, and I'm sitting there with this girl, and, you know, I'm like, the movie starts and we're watching it and it's literally like, I mean, it was like boot camp all over again for me. Right. Uh, watching this movie. It was so, I don't know if you've seen Jarhead. With yeah. John Cena in that. I not know. Actually this, not that Jarhead. He, he is a Jarhead. Right? But you no, know, this was the, the Jake Gyllenhaal Jarhead from way back when. it' oh, okay. more about, it's more about the storm. Right. Um, and uh, some of those scenes in that movie were, extremely like not beyond R rated. And I'm, I'm sitting at a whole film, basically just going through different shades of red. Right. <laughs> yeah. how embarrassed. I am that I brought this girl from my small group to see this movie. And she's just cracking up. Right. Cause mostly she sees me just being embarrassed. I just remember leaving and, and I'm driving her home. And it's like, I'm like, man, I never laughed that much and had to like, not put a front up, you know, about, mm who I am or be somebody else. I was just totally able to be myself with this girl. I had no idea that she, you know, even spoke, that she never really said much in a small group. Um, we got her home and I noticed that she had a ring, you know, and mm-hmm. I was kind of like, what's up with that? And I'm like, create these narratives in my head. Well, maybe her husband doesn't want to come to the small group. You hear that sometimes, right? Stuff, And I'm like, maybe they must be estranged or something. And so I just kind of brought it up right as I'm pulling it into her house. Um, and she's like, yeah, you know, he passed away a little bit over a year ago. And I'm thinking, I mean, that, that was a bad feeling. I was like, man, no, it's terrible, you know? And, and, uh, I thought like, there's, well, this isn't going to go anywhere. You know, like, that totally sucks. She's like in mourning and stuff. And, and, uh, the other weird thing too, was I'm dropping her off at her house, which actually happened to be in the other phase of the neighborhood directly across the street from the house that I had been renting for a year. I was like, yeah, weird. You live right here, like next to me. That, that's that's kind of odd. Um, long story short, you invited me back over, right? And we started, uh, you know, dating and stuff. And well, you know,
3: I could tell right away that she was into you because no girl in the right mind would go to see Jarhead, right? Seriously, <laughs> right? <Almost> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not I a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she it must have to liked
0: you. It took
2: me a while to figure that out. Yeah, and before you
0: and before you finish the story, I want to know was it was it a setup? Oh, did everyone else did bail everybody out? else ah. bail intentionally so that you guys would go out on That's, a date?
2: It was a setup, but not by anybody in this morning, group. I can tell you that it was a total god Ah, to be. okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> I, I can tell you too that she was uh, she was the first girl I ever prayed with. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I that was a completely different sensation for yeah. me. Right. Um I just prayed with her. We were just like friends, right? And and uh I was like, I'm just I'm at a point in my life where I, I wanna start doing things the right way, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and she has been obviously previously married, I've been previously married and uh and we're like, we're gonna do this right. And um so eight weeks later we got married. Oh no! Nice. Oh, that's yeah. how right it is <laughs> That's the right way. <laughs> that Very cool. was the right way to do Not it. messing so, around, baby. Yeah. And, and your marriage. Hilarious. And how long ago was that? Seventeen years
3: ago. Yeah. So, so you guys have been yeah. married for seventeen years. That's awesome. Great story, 17 brother. Seventeen years. So her, her, her two kids are adults now, I guess. Right? They're close to it. Oh, they are.
2: Yeah. Here's, here's a funny thing. We we'll don't have to go into that. But my kids. Uh, yeah, my daughter is getting married December 9th. She's uh-huh. 20 years old. Uh, my son is 22, and he's probably getting married December 8th. Um, wow. That was so, yeah, you know, two kids getting ready to get married, like, within days of each other. Look how um, God works. So that that's amazing.
1: been crazy. And,
2: and my daughter, you know, it has been, been a strain on my wife because that they dated for two years, right? But mm-hmm. then they set a date, like, eight weeks from the time that they got engaged. And uh-huh. my wife's like, could you give us more than eight weeks, you know, it was just like, like you did.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we what we did. It. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. I mean, that was, um, that, that's been life, you know what I mean? For the last 17 years. Um, like, like I said, God really has blessed us because I wake up just about every day, probably a couple of days before that, definitely every day after that. And I, I just, I'm like, how am I here? Right. I mean, like my house, uh, my job, you know, um, and obviously my wife and my family. And um, they've, they have really taught me a lot, you yeah. know, about how to be a dad, how to be a man. Um, and I wake up every day feeling like I don't deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I, mean, I didn't earn this. There's just no way. Yeah. Me left with my own devices, it wouldn't happen that way. Yeah, none, none of us deserve uh, anything, yeah,
3: brother. That's right. It's all by the grace of God. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. i mean, in the Left Behind series. I think there were two authors. Uh, one was a prophecy scholar, and I can't remember the names of the authors, but I read all those books.
2: Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye.
3: There you go. Right. 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 Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I, I don't even know if they're both still alive because they were a little bit up there in age when they wrote them, I think. But
2: I think they both passed on at this point. Yeah,
3: I yeah. think so. But boy, it's interesting to know that people have come to know the Lord over their books, right? Fictional mm-hmm. accounts of the yeah. uh, end times prophecy. From the Bible.
1: That's yeah. pretty cool. And they and made a the couple... A movie series, right? Couple
3: mo- I don't think they ever completed it. But Kirk, like, Kirk Cameron was in this. Yeah, Kirk he? Cameron. He played the reporter whose name, yeah. I, character's name I can't that's remember. Right.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, if you've read the books and you try to watch the movies and it doesn't work out, it's yeah. just like, oh, okay,
1: this is... Yeah. Yeah, it'd be Not really hard, hard to make movie, movies out of that. yeah. Anyway,
3: yeah. it was, that's pretty awesome, brother. And God's, you know, God works in, in just, you know, everybody's life, you know, and differently. And you, it's almost like you've lived, like... Like, four different lives, right?
0: Yeah, how about it? I
3: mean, it really got, yeah. and, uh, and, and I, I'm a little bit disappointed in, uh, and you're not the only one, hearing their people come out of the military and they're a little bit lost. Yeah. Right? You think yeah. you think one of the things that you can get out of the military is finding purpose and discipline and yeah. all that stuff, and uh, that's not everybody's experience, so that's, you know, that's unfortunate, but uh, anyway.
0: Yeah. Like, I kind of love the, the kind of prodigal son type moments, yeah. right? Going back to your dad and... Right. Expecting him, expecting him to kind of like, dude, like I told you, like this was bad, but like sounds like he just opened his arms up and just loved you, right? Wherever you were, he took you in. All the ugliness was behind you, and just welcomed you back into into his arms. And uh, let's move forward from here. Let's forget about what's in the past, and let's move forward from here, son.
1: Yeah, yeah. He
2: has never done, and I I told you so,
1: right? Yeah. Uh,
2: He's never done that. The only time he's actually even reminded me of that. That moment um, was, you know, in in counsel, right? For me dealing with my own pitch, you know, like, well, you know, you weren't perfect either, you know. Um, And so, yeah, Yeah, it's been really great. Um, And then, you know, uh, right around 2019 or so, I'm worked my way pretty much as far as I could get without making director at JP Morgan. And and that was going to be a stretch um, because at that point, you know, I, I just, uh, I was in a, I tried to work my way into some really good relationships and friendships. I was leading, ironically enough, I'm leading at that point, the entire Southeast region of the Veterans Affinity Group for J.P. Morgan, um, and putting on uh, a small little rock called Carry the Load, which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but put on by Clint Bruce, former Navy SEAL, starts out of Texas, and it's like a multi-pronged route uh, ruck march that takes place all through the United States. Every memorial in May, right? Kind of leading up to and culminating in Memorial Day in Texas. Um, so we sort of run this thing in Tampa, like for years, made a lot of friends there. And one of the guys there was that they, they kind of came to volunteer for me and actually outranked me in the company that, uh, you have some good leadership stuff going on, man. Like you're leading, you know, hundreds of people putting these, you know, as an event organizer, at least and putting together all this stuff and raising you know, all this money for charity with these events. Uh, how'd you, how'd you like come work for me? I'm like, Well what do you do? He kinda gave me my last job actually in the bank. Um he was uh in Marine Corps. We were both field artillery, so we had that, but he was Marine Corps field artillery captain um in uh in OIS and uh he had some some really deep PTSD that he was dealing with and mm. stuff, and he eventually left the firm and it kinda left me kinda left me without him, right, as a mentor. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of growing stale and I got some advice from, from a, a very wise lady who had been with the, the bank for over 30 years and was on her way out. And she, she was kind of in that frame of mind. And, I, and she was my boss and he came to Tampa and said, you know, more or less the best advice I can give you is get out. Know, don't live your whole life in a bubble in one company. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you can, you can keep going places and you'll still make a living there but you owe it to yourself to kind of start looking outside the bank and get better interviewing. It's like, hey, works worst thing that happens is get really good at interviewing and you find a job in here because you're such a good interviewer. Right? And I'm like, okay. Um, so I started looking in Tennessee because my wife is like, hey, why, why are you just looking in Tampa? Don't you want to move to Tennessee? She's like, you've always wanted to move to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So I, I, I did not get job offers. Right? I actually got five interviews with like three different companies. I mean, like literally interview after interview after interview. This was twenty nine. Uh, actually, it was yeah, twenty nineteen, um, and it was like right around the end of summer, twenty nineteen. I'm starting starting to interview up here in Knoxville, and they would go so far, and then go with another candidate. Sorry, you know, i mm-hmm. you. Know, I'm like, know, my God, what are you doing here? Right? I mean, am I supposed to be leaving the bank? Am I not? And a friend of mine calls me it's, uh, from a company, uh, PwC, Price Cooper, and uh, in Tampa. He says, Hey, this this job, it's one of the, again, jack of all trades, but it's one of the many qualifications that you have. I don't know if it's a job you want to do, but you'll love this company. Okay. So I go and I do four interviews in person, like in two hours with, with all of these managing directors. And, and they said, uh, on the way home, she calls me and says, well, you need to pick who you want to work for. Like all three of them want to hire you. And I'm like, huh. I well, was like I really kinda of glommed onto this one guy. Like he just this guy Jeff. Fair enough, man, that guy took me under his wing, taught me a lot about corporate leadership and just about leadership in general. I mean how to really how to really love the people, right? That work for you. Yeah. And, and and put them first before yourself. Um and he was my boss for, you know, two years before he took another role and promoted out. And and uh I promoted very quickly within the company. Um, but that was 2019. I came I came on in like September of 2019. And then you know what happened like yeah. in early 2020. Yeah. And we were already kind of a blended uh, hybrid approach, coming to the office two days a week, work from home three days a week kind of company anyway. Um, so going completely remote was not a big deal for us. And I remember that conversation with Jeff uh, right around like June, you know, May and June, when the company was like, Okay, nobody's coming in like, for a long time. Uh, our boss at the time, uh, Scott, was like, You know what? Uh, I have an hour and a half long commute one way.
1: You know,
2: We're never going to the office again, like that He's like, So, you want to move to Tennessee? And I was like, Huh? And he's just like, on this one on one that we're having, he's like, You yeah, know, you always want to move to Tennessee, right? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, Well, go. And I'm like, yeah. uh, What? And so I come down and uh, I'm going downstairs and uh, I look at my wife and she's like, "What does that look on your face? She goes, did you just see a ghost or something? No, there's probably Tennessee. <laughs> like I'm moving to Tennessee. I'm like, yeah. Okay, let's go. And Labor Day, 2020, we moved up here to Tennessee. Um, and as I'm like, uh, that first year there was a lot of, you know, we started to come back in the office or at least just like meet up and do like connectivity and planning and strategy and stuff like that. And so I'm flying, making the commute back to Tampa and and I've got my gr. I don't have my GRT with me here, but I've got my DRT on my back and I noticed this guy in front of me has the exact same pack. He's got like an F three pack on the back of it. And I'm like, F hey, three thing, I think I've seen that somewhere. So I just said, Hey man, it's a nice bag, you know and he turns around, and he's like, Oh yeah, it is a nice bag, right? And I little go-ruck events and stuff, which like ones would be done. And I was like, hey, you do any rucking around here? And he's like, yeah, there's right. here's this group, Knox Ruckers, you know. Uh, he's like, you can, you can get in with those guys. He's like, but there's this group I got into recently called F3, and they're pretty crazy. <laughs> like, really? What makes them crazy? He's like, oh, that's like a total boot camp beatdown, man. And he's like, and then they're, they're not really into rucking as much. They are now, right? We've actually stood up several Ruck AOs uh, within Knoxville, and we actually have our own right next to Speedway called the Eagle. Um, and uh, at the time, I was like, okay, I'll check it out. So I go on Instagram and start looking at the F3 account, and uh, I just drop a DM and said, hey, you know, what is this all about? It looks kind of interesting. I've seen your map, and I see all the different AOs. Quite a few in Knoxville at the time. And this was actually before we had Starfish, uh, Knoxville, and Smoky. So it was all in Knoxville. And, uh, I kind of picked, you know, kind of AO here and AO there and pretty much lived dead center between them. I picked the one over and Seymour, uh, and the rest is history, man. I mean, I show up there. Steam, uh, Dan Himson, Steam, uh, from f Knoxville, uh, spent, spent a lot of time as like their comms, you know, too, uh, doing the socials and stuff like that. Um, that guy, he's like, he's like still in his twenties. I'm pretty sure I don't even think he's at thirty yet, right? I'm like, man, if I just would have known what you know right? I probably still would have lived the same life. You know what I mean? But he's just one of those guys that's getting after it so hard. Uh, just so much respect for that kid. And uh, he was like, well, do you want to go out to the AO? And I'm like, sure. And he's like, let's go tomorrow. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, I'm like, bro, I'm really out of the game. And he's like, yeah, it will be fine, right? No, nah, I'm afraid he's going to keep in front of everybody and make a fool of myself. You know, he's like, well, I'm going to show up there and if you're not there, it's going to hurt my feelings, right? It's like October, starting to get a little chilly out. Why not? I don't know. I just showed up and they gave me the name. I think when they gave me the name, something clicked, man. I was just like, this is a little bit more than a workout, right? There's something else going on here. Like all these guys have these names. They just the way that they interacted, you know? And it was a good mix too, of young and old, um, old being relative. Um, But I just... I thought, okay, I could probably do this. And and the funny thing is it's like same time of year right now. Actually, it's been, it's been a little bit more than a year. And so we were approaching the beginning of November, and they did this thing called Olympics. I don't know if you guys do that. Wait, no, hold, hold on a second. So, I got to ask
3: you, what was the first workout like for you?
2: Oh, it was, it was really hard. Uh, I, I can tell you, for one thing, I'm a big guy. I'm a Clydesdale, right? So I am I'm not a runner. Um, the first workout was taking a sandbag I'm like, oh, cool sandbags. I can carry heavy things, right? I can do that. Yeah, well, we're gonna Indian run it actually, and so <laughs> there's like ten guys, and we're doing an Indian run. He's like, come on, nurse, so you're gonna, take, you're gonna run to the front, uh grab the sandbag, or rather, and run to the front, drop it, and then just kind of, press and repeat. I thought I was gonna die. I mean, like, really, and it seems like, this this guy's like Jack, man, and he uh, he's the guy that I think we got an E H me right. Um, and so he's kind of keeping an eye on me and he's coming back and I'm, I'm back here sucking wind and I see the whole group, wagon wheel, you know, and I'm like, what are they doing? And he's like, Oh, this is great. Watch this. You know, come behind me. And I'm like, no, that's not what we needed to happen there. Like, oh, all bro, I don't want a wagon wheel, you know, I'm not trying to hold anybody up. Um, and they were just like, you're not holding us up. Like now you're setting the pace and we're going to go at your pace. And I thought, that's different, right? Like I've never seen that happen before. Um, So I don't know. They just kind of they left me with no excuses, you know. Mm, right. when I first worked out. Like, there were no excuses. Like there's no shame here. Um, you're, you are where you are right now in life, and, and the only they kept saying the same thing that resonates in my head every time I spoke about, which is it's you against you, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, it's just you against you, and I didn't even not against anybody else here. And I'm like, well, I'm I don't know which life I'm on right now. Maybe I've got nine of them. I don't know. I'm on like black number five, right? But <laughs> I'm, I'm basically killing that old man, right? Uh-huh. And, and something new is coming out. And um, I went after it pretty hard. We did this pro Olympics event, uh, which was kind of like a convergence, right? And just hilarious fun. And I was hooked. I was like, man, this is the coolest. And when I saw it at that scale, right, um, it was just like 100-some-odd guys. And all of us out here at Lakeshore Park in Knoxville, it was beautiful. And then I was there for like the shuttle flag handover when we got the new Mantan going and starfished off into Smokies, and I'm like, wow, cool! Now I'm a part of like this new region, something else, right? And and uh, I had I I got up one day and couldn't get out of bed. I'm like, something's wrong. There's just incruciating pain in my back, uh, and I just I can barely walk. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check out this chiropractor, which actually coincidentally is right across the street from the AO. Um and I'm still trying to EH that guy for like a year now. Because <laughs> I'm gonna get him one day. He I have actually eh his his brother in Florida by giving him a card, right? Uh huh. So, go through a divorce, And like, here you go, bro. He's like, Yeah, let me give me a free thing. I'm like, When are you gonna come to yeah. Danny, like he's jacked I and these guys could do burpees all day long, right? But he's he was not like getting up early, is the problem. But uh um he he got me walking again and he's like, Hey man you what'd you do what, what have you been doing with your life you know and i was like uh you can carry a lot of heavy things when i was 20 something in the navy right and then i was a power lifter been lifting weights my whole life not always the smart way uh started lifting weights again like at 40 got really heavy uh into power lifting and um and, and you know had a couple of injuries you know to boot uh, and he's like well this is not the type of thing that really heals you know, he's like, it's the type of thing that you learn to not exacerbate is what it is. Um, and he's like, so I'll tell you when to go back to F3. He's like, but you will go back. And I was like, okay. And so he had me doing a series of exercises. And he's like, when well, you can hold a plank for three minutes, you're going back to 3 F3. minutes?
3: That's a long time. That's good, too.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was a long freaking plank, man. Yeah. And he said, that, that therapist, she did not let me. When I there, she didn't she didn't let me rest either man she was just like no butt down come on yeah. you got this and i'm a like real, a real plank she needs to go to you know theater, right but um it, it got me back out there and like i said i just kind of i started just going out you know and i'm like oh, I, maybe all i can do is rock today right and then the funny thing is rocking doesn't hurt my back um i don't know why it doesn't hurt like the lower back uh I mean, I love working, man. That's, that's my thing, right? And I've kind of been doing that for many, many years now. So, um, I'll rock through the Smokies, you know, I'll rock through the Tennessee State Parks and stuff. And, and it's, it's always a good time, you know. So that's what I did for a while before I could really get back into the beatdowns. Uh, and then, yeah, by February ish, April, I'm like, you know, or rather March and April, I'm like, let's, let, let's get on this and let's do this, right? And so I, I started to accelerate pretty quick, um, at that point. Um, and yeah, I mean, now I'm, and I started designing beatdowns, and uh, I'm very, I'm very big into programming, um, just from the lifting days, yeah. and so I, uh, I just did a couple of really, really brutal ones, and they know, like when you get there, so you're not going to be running. <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm not going <laughs> to make you do anything that I can't do. That's my thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now I always tell people modify as necessary, that includes modifying up, right? So if you want to add like a component, right. or do something OTB before the beatdown, go for it, right? Uh, but I, I do bring it when we go. There will always be heavy things, and uh, I feel kind of bad for some of the gazelles that we have out there. Um, because yeah, they, I'm like that sandbag probably weighs as much as you do, but you can pick it up anyway, you know. So <laughs> when you yeah, uh, when you rock when
3: you you say you do a lot of rucking when you ruck, are you um are you shot running with the rock are you uh, just you know hiking in the mountains like what kind of rucking do you do
2: uh, most of, I mean the, the overwhelming majority of it is really just, you know, walking hills, right? On the streets and stuff like that in Eagle Rock um, or rucking with guys, um, you know, in, in other places. Um when I go, you know, with my wife and I, uh, it is, you know, it's up and down, good elevation, um, on trails. I think probably, you know, I think I probably tap that in about four hours or so right now is where I'm kind of my fitness level is where I'm working back up to that with a thirty pound, you know, rock. Mm-hmm. Um and probably, I don't know, a couple thousand feet of elevation. It's not like we're in the Rockies, right? So, yeah. uh, but, you know, you get a good, good workout, you know, from it, no doubt. For four and hours, I, I, did I you say? Recovered. Did you say four, yeah, four about hours? Four hours. Nice. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, if you're looking at a couple thousand feet of elevation, you even a good out and bad, dude, I'm not doing it quick. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. Um, I do pay attention. I'm still trying to get to that sub-19-minute mile, you know, um, and I'll get there one day, right? So, Keep working on
3: it. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool, man. And then uh, cool. recently you've been named the AOQ now. You've uh, shown some leadership. Yeah.
2: That was kind of a shock. Um, I was like, Rep, Rep, Sleepy actually is the, the kind of the AOQ emeritus, right? Um, and he's the one that started to help start that AO. And he came up to me and he's like, Well, you know, I'll be honest, man. There's a couple other guys I had in mind. And I just don't think they want the job. He's like, but I'm asking you. And I'm like, what in the world, bro? Like, I'm like the slowest guy, you know, uh, I'm, I'm injured coming back from an injury. Uh, and he's like, yeah, but leadership is just not more than what you can do. Right. It's about, it's about what you bring. Right. And, and so, uh, yeah, I was like, I I think when he asked me probably the weight of the position, especially in terms of, like I said, how much you kind of add to your plate every day. That, that hadn't sunk in at that point. Uh, but that's okay because uh, it is, you know, another big responsibility, but it doesn't feel like one uh, all the time. I can say that. because mm. It only feels like it maybe until you show up at 530 and obviously show up a lot earlier than that and plant that flag. But you just see new guys coming in. You see even old guys who have been doing this for a while and you're you're walking and sometimes rocking through their struggles with them. Yeah. Uh, and you're playing together and you're building brotherhood. Uh, and then, you know, I think you start to get to the point we're starting to pick out the leaders in the group. And and maybe, yeah, obviously I'm always I'm always thinking about who my replacement's gonna be.
1: Yeah,
2: right, um, yeah. and I find that there's a, a lot of carryover, right, in kind of what I do in the corporate world and what I do here, which is really just trying to enable people to be the best version of themselves. And I'm trying to guide them a little here, nudge them a little there and and kind of motivate them. Like, no, you can do this. You got to push yourself a little harder. And I'm doing all of that with myself too. So there, there's a reflective quality to leadership as well. Um, you know, when you're trying to train somebody and motivate, encourage somebody else, you, you kind of fall victim to those same things yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, it just kind of pulls me along. So I really appreciate it and enjoy you know the position. I really do. I'm honored. You know to serve in that capacity.
0: How, how many days a week is the, Is there a beatdown at the AO that you're queuing?
2: Three days a week. Three. Uh, and then we do uh, a yeah, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and uh, then we do a an Eagle Rock. We call it Eagle Rock. It's really hopping a skip uh, from the AO. It is an offsite we do on Friday uh, mornings, and we do that for an hour. Cool. Do a good hour. It's
3: sweet. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, then, see, the Lord has really worked in your life. Can you imagine, you know, probably, there's no way you could have envisioned back when you were getting out of the Navy where you would be right now. I mean, it's just incredible the way no God works in your life. Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. Great testimony. Yeah. yeah. Could not have heard this
2: story myself, so, yeah. yeah. Classic
0: case of the... Path from point A to point B is not always a straight line, right? right? Yeah, you know, it leaves uh, and wanders and steps back a little bit, and you know, trips and falls and gets back up. And yeah, what a what a great yeah. story, man!
3: Appreciate you sharing. Yeah, it. thanks. I God,
0: God had yeah. a plan, you know, all along. You know, even yeah. though it was kind of lost in some wild days and crazy days for you, it 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 yeah.
3: revealed itself to you. And as you, yeah, really bio, your, uh, as you said in your bio, your as you said in your bio, your bio not finished yet. Yeah, you
2: still got work to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's not done yet. Um, if anything, I'm I feel like I'm definitely more in an acceleration pattern right now mm-hmm. uh, than than I think probably most guys. You know, our age. Right. I mean, you get to this point, it's like, well, now you're over the hill. Right. Uh, that's not really true. You've got an eighty-one-year-old. Actually, quadruple respect that comes and does that rep with us.
1: Wow, cool. Uh, about
2: every Friday, that's actually rep's dad, so that's awesome. His name is Gravestone, but, but yeah, what's his name? Uh, Gravestone. Gravestone,
1: yeah. Gravestone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you named your dad Gravestone, but anyway.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Now, how much weight have you lost? You said you, you you had took a lot of years to build up your beer belly and you're still losing it. How much have you lost? <laughs>
2: Oh, about 30, 35 pounds. Yeah, since I started a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's honestly, that's still not eating in, in an optimal fashion, except for, for performance, you know, at right. certain times. Um, and so that that's the next step. That's the next uh, frontier, I guess you could say, is, is to start really leading in, you know, from a nutrition aspect. And these guys with their free diet ch- challenge, I'm like, who yeah. comes up with a free diet challenge? I've you know, it. before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm like, really? You know, Okay, but, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's good stuff, right? Well, uh, I need to, I need to lean a little harder on that one and, and, and see where
0: we can go. An F3 diet challenge. So is, is it just kind of like a weight loss competition or do you guys actually... It
1: yeah. is. Okay. It's a
2: weight loss competition. It's actually points driven, though. So, huh. uh, you know, you, you get points for completing, you know, the stuff, which basically means not putting certain things in your mouth that week. Uh, and then obviously you get points deducted for when you do. Huh. Uh, and I'm,
1: yeah, I'm we don't have worry that. We, we started a yeah.
3: what we call a text a text group we call the Fat Boys Club. We weigh in twice a week uh, and report our weight and that's uh, it's worked. Maybe that's um, a, maybe we need a point system though. I like no, that. No, I you know I, I no I mixed... tacos
0: and no wings for you. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's one point each if you can go a week without
3: tacos. Or wings. Yeah, believe it or not, as many tacos as I send as a as an emoji. You alert, don't really eat, I tacos? Don't eat that. I do, but I don't. Eat, I rarely ever eat tacos. Right. I don't like Taco Bell tacos. We I might have to have, might have a discussion if we get points going. We might get more guys in the Fat Boys texting. Maybe the problem with that is it only it's only temporary that it works, and usually it works backwards. It, if you read the book that yeah. um, uh, on motivation uh, drive, the book yeah. drive, it's a it's a tough one to to figure out. But uh, uh, better off challenging ourselves with like, oh, you got to run a Blue Ridge relay. Right. I got to lose weight. We're just yeah.
0: flat out making fun of each other for being fat. Yeah, that that too. <laughs> In a loving way.
3: <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate uh, you sharing your story with us. Um, I do have two questions for you to kind of wrap things up. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to the first one, but we're going to ask it anyway. And sure. unless, unless dial up, you have any other questions before we... The, the only other over? thing I was going to ask about is earlier, were you saying the
0: Grow Olympics or the Bro Olympics, like grow like no, bro, a tree or bro, yeah, like, bro. bro,
2: like yo, bro, bro, like yo, bro. So it's actually just bro, okay. Olympics. Okay, bro, Olympics. Yeah, right. yeah, really fun event happening actually this weekend. And I'm, I'm unfortunately going to be downrange in Tampa, um, but it's it's somewhat of a convergence. The cool thing is, it'll be uh, instead of being all Knoxville, which it was at this point last year, it will be Knoxville, the new Smokies region, you know, and then we actually just start fished off. Uh, Rowan County, uh, which you guys would probably know, uh, the Rand Park AO actually um, from from you know unfortunately what happened with Cardinal, oh,
1: um,
2: yeah. and uh, that is that AO and that name you can, um will likely be showing up there as well. So it'd be pretty cool to see the giant convergence happen, and it's all sorts of you know crazy, stupid F three type uh, Interesting. challenges. Well, yeah. yeah, I'll so to be on. The, I'll
0: to be. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard about this. Like you either. Either the national Slack channel, or I follow a whole bunch of Twitter accounts and stuff like that of different regions. I might have turned yeah. it on there, so yeah, I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out and see what it's about. Maybe it's something we could
3: yeah, do in our area. Uh, when you're downrange in Tampa, um, it was a few years ago. I I posted at Saint Petersburg's AO. Uh huh. The bird, um, I think they call it. Right? Yeah, the, the one by the bay. Uh huh. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. <coughs> It's one of the few places that you see a sunrise uh, from the Sun Coast over water because it was coming up over the bay there or whatever that is. Pretty cool, yeah. And I don't think I did anything else in Tampa. St. Petersburg was the closest that that I posted because I, I went back to because I lived in Sarasota for a little bit, so I went back and posted with the the boys down in Sarasota. But um, I, I'm sure you know what who's down there now. What aos they got? I don't even know if they have one
1: in
2: Tampa. I think I, I do not Sarasota. Actually, when I went down for uh, Memorial Day. Uh, we recently had some kind of stuff happen medically with uh, in-laws, um, this extended family in Tampa. So we've been back and forth a couple of times. Um, but when we went down Memorial Day, uh, I did close stuff actually at Fishhawk, which is kind of crazy. I, didn't, I don't think it existed when we lived there still, but it must have pulled up shortly thereafter it's it's like five miles down the street from where our old house was oh there you go um, it's a pretty big little like region i guess it's its own region you could consider it a uh, free fishhawk and a bunch of great guys and they were all praying uh for my sister-in-law and, and it like without even you know, it's f3 like hey I met you one time You came into the Murph with us yeah you know of course we're gonna pray and i'm like wow that's awesome right yeah. so it was really cool the response from those guys um <laughs> what i do i uh, heard tale that there actually is an official now Tampa, AO. I believe I believe they call it Pirates Cove because I was looking. If I get the chance to to post, I'm yeah. like That's probably where I'm going this time. I'll be sure. closer to that side of town.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I remember Bing maybe posting something or the Sarasota guys posting sh- something. Sound. I mean, it was sounding like things are kind of ramping up in the yeah. Orlando area and growing. Which is- yeah.
3: You mean yeah. T- Tampa area? Or Tampa. Tampa, Tampa, yeah. Tampa,
0: sorry. Where did I say? Orlando. Tampa, Tampa, yeah. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. It's all Florida. That's
2: it, needs, it needs to happen oh, yeah. in Orlando, yeah. too. Man. Come on. It's Florida. Yeah. Big yeah. yeah. right. military yeah. communities, man. Like, yeah. Let's get those guys going. Yeah.
3: Hey, um, so the la- two questions. First one is, uh, if you were to pick somebody, could be somebody from the past or somebody you know, somebody you don't know, that you would say is like somebody you look up to, inspires you, a hero kind of thing, who would you pick? I've had a lot.
2: You know, um, I've had a lot of really good mentors in my life. Um probably the officer, first class, uh, Court, If he's still out there, uh, Michael Fettencourt. And uh he was there when I was kind of starting to hit one of those lows. Mm-hmm. Um and it's funny because he wouldn't have uh he wouldn't have had the luxury um or the honor of being able to see me grow out of that if anything I was probably kind of at the start you know of this downward spiral that I would eventually go on but you know his mentorship stuck with me through it all like it, it reminded me of who I was when I was acting like somebody else so okay. to speak you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Definitely my that, for that,
3: you know that's interesting cool. you never know right you never know the impact you're having because yeah. I, I wonder if that guy even knows the impact that he's had on you that's pretty cool i
2: haven't met him since so I'm yeah. not sure <laughs> Yep.
0: Yeah, you should look them up. Track them down. Send them to this podcast.
2: Yeah. I might. Let them
0: yeah. know you gave him a shout-out.
2: Yeah. I'd give them three card. Yeah. They'd be one of my tokens. So. That'd
3: be very yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, last question is, this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America? The men of America mean not just that three guys, huh? Yeah. Whoever listens to this.
2: Yeah. I would say, get your head unstuck from all the media that is currently captured and is capturing your attention on a daily basis. is trying to redefine who you are um, and start to align with intent and aggressively align yourself uh, with the truth, which you can find in God's word.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and when you've gotten that far and you start to emerge and you have more questions, the best thing you can do is build yourself a shield lock because you cannot do life Alone without other men. And if you've already got that uh, in a small group or in a church somewhere, that's awesome. I'll tell you that the one thing that was missing when my church was mm-hmm. up uh, free. We all got together and did a lot of praying and a lot of Bible study. And that's awesome. But there's just nothing like, nothing like fighting and doing battle next to somebody. Right. Even if the, the battle is the one that's waging within you. Right. Um, and you, even when you're waging that on that grinder, in those beatdowns, you know, multiple times a week, it's a physical manifestation of the war within, is yeah. what it really is. Um, and you get to do that with your brothers, and you forge those brotherhoods, um, you know, next to those guys. So yes, you'll find F three, and if you can't find F three, go start F three mm-hmm. right where you are. at That would be my message.
3: Wow, cool. that's a good message, man. The physical manifestation of the war within. <laughs> I like that. That's really well said. Yep. Yeah, good job, man. All right. That. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. Um and I I have nothing to add to that. That's just uh, you know, beautifully said. I think, you know, we've talked about that yeah. before, but uh, uh F3 F3 does something different for guys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. all right man appreciate your time you really are uh, uh, making an impact now I mean after all these years and everything you've been through and substance abuse and you've overcome that giving your life to the Lord the Lord has moved mightily in your life and you got yourself a family you're, it's going to grow it sounds like as your kids are getting married and oh well, you know what comes after that so grandpa get ready another whole
2: thing right yeah <laughs> they're going to be like why is grandpa doing all those burpees <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll
3: find out right? hey if you can still do burpees with your bad back you're a step ahead of me so good job
2: yeah, we're getting them. Uh, yeah, we just did a great one this weekend. So, yeah. That's uh, for another time. But thank you guys. It's been a real pleasure getting to meet you guys.
3: Yeah. So, Dial yeah, Up. You too. I think we just spoke to another high impact man. A
0: high impact man that spoke to my heart and threw in a little bit of a love story. <laughs> doesn't get any better than that, folks. It doesn't get any better dial than that. Dial Up loves a good love story. That's right. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on and sharing, man.
2: Yep, God bless you guys. Appreciate uh, it.
0: God bless you too, man. You
3: too. Hey, tell Rep Sleepy thanks. I'll send him a text. Tell him we did this.
2: He needs to be the guy you have on here. Yeah, I, I was but thinking about that. I'm stories. like,
3: well, he keeps sending us guys. I got to bring him on.
2: Absolutely. I nominate him to go next. All so, right. From that free smoke, <laughs> so, yes. All right. Sounds well, good.
3: We'll be getting in touch. All
2: right. Thank you, guys. See, you, appreciate buddy. It. Bye See bye. you, brother. See you
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode i would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high impact man more information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com if you like this podcast please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com that is him at highimpactman.com the high impact man podcast has a new episode every week and you can find them on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week everyone.